1: Looking round, I find the sea I think I need a change The rat race, I wanna flee My world, I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Raising livestock, living free It's a my a modern
2: homestead Well hello and welcome to the modern Homesteading podcast. I'm your host Harold Thornbro. Glad you're joining me today and today I got a special guest. I'm joined by Heather Butler and she is the uh, host of the Urban Permaculture podcast, which I had the pleasure of just being on recently. How you doing Heather?
0: I am great. How are you?
2: I am good, and I'm glad you uh, decided to come on and share with us your story about your urban uh, permaculture homestead. I think it's uh, as we when I was on your show, uh, you got I got to hear a little bit about that, and I, I thought it was pretty exciting, and I, I really enjoyed <laughs> hearing about it. So. I thought that's a story I'd like uh, my listeners to hear. So uh, I want to hear all about that. But uh, first one all, why don't we just jump in. Tell us a little bit about you and your homestead and kind of just where you are in your journey.
0: Yeah. Um, so my like he said, my name is Heather, um, myself and my husband, Bob. We are Hogs and Hens Urban Farm, and we started out three years ago with just a little garden box, and it was a raised box on stilts, basically. Uh, we had tomatoes and peppers. They were doing so well, and then the squirrels found them, and we were oh. devastated. And when you have such a small little area, and you know it's all taken out by one animal, it was just, that was our whole crop for the year. So we kind of started talking about it, and we're like, you know, we really want to do more with this. So last year, uh, we got married in July of last year at Mm. our house and in the middle of doing a wedding at our house, we decided that we wanted a massive garden. And so we started with that and we started with a 40 foot by 40 foot giant plot. We has 15 beds in it. Yeah. (laughs)
2: That's a good size garden.
0: It's crazy. There are 16 nine foot by uh, nine foot by three foot raised beds in there. And then the entire perimeter is lined with a combination of uh, potted plants, as well as a raised bed in the middle of it. That's on a stilts bed. The original bed is still there. Um, A little greenhouse. And then we grow mushrooms all along the perimeter as well. And under a bunch of our leafy things.
2: Nice. Yeah, Yeah. Great. And you're doing some light. You still you have chickens, right? Yeah. Okay. I thought you had chickens right now, but you're looking at getting other livestock as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we've decided we want to add quail and rabbit to mm-hmm. our homestead. Um, we are actually working on the, the uh, hutches this weekend. Awesome. So it's it's a race to see if he gets the rabbits done first or if I get the quail done first to see which animal we start with. <laughs>
2: <But> <laughs> <laughs> Nothing will motivate you quicker than having something on the way. <laughs> I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally.
2: Yeah, you'll well, find you'll get all kinds of stuff done.
0: And it's crazy because we started with the gardening side of things. And the more we dug into it, we learned a little bit about mushrooms and we're like, you know, we could totally do this. And then, of course, that put us down the rabbit hole. And then we realized, you know, we can do a lot with what we have. And that just kind of springboarded this whole permaculture movement for us. Uh, We also do permacomposting. So I guess technically I raise worms. I guess that's
2: what we count. We'll count it.
0: it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh We raise worms so we have a a worm bed that we do as well and we do on-site composting of all of our vegetables all of our junk mail that is compostable gets composted Mm. kitchen scraps coffee grinds all that good stuff so it's it's definitely been awesome but the most exciting part is our expansion yeah that's the big deal So as we got started on this, we realized we really want to have a lot more fruit trees, but based on the amount of space that we had and and not wanting our entire yard to be gone because we have dogs Mm, and don't want them running in my garden and destroying everything. (laughs) So uh, we, we started looking around and we found out that in a lot of cities, not just ours, you can actually purchase adjoining lots that are vacant if they're city-owned property for next to nothing. Yeah, and that's exactly what we did.
2: Yeah, you was telling me about that. Sounds like you got a really good deal, and we and did. it's amazing that that prop those properties. You know, with the, sometimes in, like you live in Dayton, so mm-hmm. Ohio, and and you know, there's just a lot of areas in some larger towns that are pretty run down and there's nothing they can do with those lots so when people when folks can purchase some really cheap and do something real constructive with them like you know urban uh, permaculture homesteading that's pretty awesome that's a good use of that space
0: it is so we live in a historical district so you can't really put in new construction in our neighborhood so a vacant lot can't really be used for that because again historical district and to make to build a house to the specs of a historical home in our area the cost would be really high and with that in mind the property value in our neighborhood is not at a point where it can support a $450,000 and up house which yeah. is what it would cost to build something in that area to spec historically so Roughly. And so with that in mind, you know, we started talking to um, our city officials and doing our, our research and we found out that there's this program where you can purchase adjoining lots if you own the existing structures that touch them. And so we did. And then we found out there are two lots. So we expanded. Our house was originally a row house and there used to be tons of houses, little long skinny houses, side by side by side. Ours is the last one standing in that little row. So we've had a lot of challenges with it, but it's been an adventure too. Um, When we put in our first garden, we started fencing it. And as we ran the auger, we found the foundation for the old house that was there
2: before. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a hard way to find
2: it.
1: (laughs)
0: Oh, it was the worst. And then they backfilled it with all of the construction material. So there was rocks and nails and glass and all Mm. kinds of stuff in there. So we've had to sift it. And we did. I mean, we. We're doing the lasagna bed kind of style on our properties. So the ground that's underneath there, it's going to be pretty far down because yeah. we've got six inches of um, mulch on top of compost and topsoil and things like that before you get to that. Yeah. But even still, we wanted to make sure we didn't have glass and nails and, right. and toxins. There. So we still had to dig around and go through all of that before we could get started.
2: Did you uh did you do any like soil tests or anything before you started or yeah?
0: We did because with them backfilling, there was concern. What if there's arsenic or if there's, you know, any of those things, asbestos or Mm. just any of the chemicals that are gnarly that they used in those old homes? And luckily for us, there was not.
2: Really? That's surprising. Yeah, that's really good.
0: They said there were trace amounts of um, asbestos, but it was such a trace amount they said it didn't pose a harm. And what we were doing, it was mitigated enough with what we were doing, so we're safe.
2: Yeah. So you decided not to go with like raised beds on that property. You're just going right into the ground on that property.
0: It's kind of a combination deals. Okay. We covered the entire property, the entire side lot in in wood chip mulch. Um, So it's about six inches deep in wood chip mulch, and then on top of that then we build our lasagna beds so yeah. that as that wood chip mulch breaks down it's going to create soil around it yeah. and eventually the borders because we didn't put a bottom on our beds so eventually the borders were just going to remove but for now that's the area that we put the compost and the dirt and the things yeah. we're letting the ways and all the side areas all basically compost naturally
2: yeah. um
0: more of the like a back to Eden method style and, with
2: and if, since you have the the wood chips so thick and, and the beds on top of it, it's almost it has a a hugel culture effect even to some degree.
0: Yeah, it, it works out really well for us because we you know we don't have to water nearly as much. Yeah. We did find the first year that it was sucking up a lot of the nitrogen, mm-hmm. so to water and fertilize with a, a nitrogen based organic fertilizer because we just couldn't keep it full of nitrogen. But now yeah. this year. It's releasing on its own. So when I did my soil test, it came back, and our nitrogen level is is leveling out some. So that was exciting.
2: For folks who don't realize that, yeah, a lot of folks will say, you know, don't put wood chips on your garden because it robs of nitrogen. Well, generally, when you're putting the wood chips on top of the soil, it doesn't. It'll it'll hurt it right at the very top of the soil. But unless you are covering wood chips with the soil or mixing them into your soil, that's where you run into a problem where it does actually pull the nitrogen from your soil.
0: Yeah. yeah. We learned that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> we just jumped in feet first and, and it was, it was quite unsure. Um, we started doing that and living in the city. It's not like we have a, you know, farmers around us to say, Hey, can I get some of your manure? I can't have large livestock cause I live in the city. So we didn't have chickens or anything yet. So getting manure we had to source from a friend. So outside of town, a friend of ours works at um, an equestrian center, and they're all very, very, very healthy diet horses that do not have any pesticides. They're all organically fed, and they're all super healthy things. And so we get the manure from her, and then we bring it over, and it hangs out at our house in ages. I'm sure my neighbors love it, but they have
1: never <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: Too. <laughs> But the, the new lot is 135 feet long by 70 feet wide. Um, so it's huge. <laughs> yeah. And the challenge with that is there's a black walnut right in the middle of it mm. that is a mature black walnut. So we got to be really careful with that juglone. So we're working on building our guilds around it. To contain that juglone,
2: yeah. And there's a lot of plants that that do okay around around walnuts, so that you can do a nice guild around it that's, that's still productive. You just have to be really selective in what you put in there, and and then then uh, some plants will even create like a, a a barrier to to kind of hold that that juglone in in that area in that guild. So yeah, it's just yeah, it's always a challenge when you get a tree like that. Really, any large tree in the middle of a property can pose. It can limit you with the shade and and you know anything it puts off, but yeah. And even then you have to be careful with like the leaf litter and things like that. Cause until it starts composting, it will still contain a little bit of that too. So
0: yeah, uh, there's some challenges. Well, it, but
2: it sounds like, you know, what you're do- dealing with there and you're
0: I'm trying, <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're doing good. It sounds like, yeah, we're
0: putting uh, a mulberry over there because I love mulberry and we have a mulberry tree in our, our neighbor's backyard. It's well, It's a, it's another vacant lot, um, but it's a neighboring lot and nobody lives there. So I did take a little clipping off of that. Um, It's city owned. I have permission to do so and I've propagated it. So I didn't know if it would work, but it did. And so we're excited. So I have a baby um, mulberry tree that is propagated (laughs) from the backyard neighbor. And it's, it's crazy. If you, if you get a chance to look at our Facebook page, uh, hogs and hens urban farm, I posted a video the other day of what. The properties look like around us. They're these empty lots are just wide open with half burned out structures, and people just dump their trash there. You'll find oh, giant furniture, car parts. There's a transmission for some kind of vehicle laying back there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, in the city, a lot of times, um, you know, the utilities include trash service. Mm-hmm. Somebody's utilities get shut off; they no longer have trash service. And so it's common practice. They just dump their trash in a property they know is vacant. And there's plenty of those in our area. So I've been talking to a lot of my neighbors about buying up some of these lots and just expanding their yards because, you know, we've all complained about the garbage because it blows all through our yards and it, it makes everything look terrible. Not to mention who knows what kind of stuff is in that garbage, of course. I mean, yeah. it, could, it could be any level of foul, And um, so now some of our neighbors are looking into the the process of purchasing some of these lots up, but it's, it's been a, it's been an adventure and I've loved every minute of it.
2: Since the city has been working with you so well on this, are they, I mean, are they making it one large property when you do this, or are they still keeping it separate in properties?
0: So initially we'll have we will have four different lots that we own so the land that our house sits on is a lot the land that the garden sits on is a lot and then the two that we just purchased are two separate lots once everything is kind of settled and and all that um next year we'll be able to merge them all
2: okay that's what i was wondering yeah
0: yeah because currently as standalone lots we can't put any permanent structures on any of them i can't build like a garage or a shed or a permanent greenhouse but once they're merged, we can do that. But I got to wait till later in the tax year before I can do that.
2: Yeah, I just wonder, I was kind of wondering about that. If they was considering it because your house is on that property, and you make it all one property. Does it like show a new, you know, a new building on that property? I was kind of curious about that. Also, I wonder, like, they are not charging you very much for the lots, but I wonder once you combine them, if it'll increase the taxes quite a bit on your property, probably will a little bit.
0: I'm not sure. The current yeah. tax... Lots is only $64 because oh, okay. they're
2: yeah. yeah
0: not a lot right now but they're vacant yeah. there's nothing there except for a tree on the one and yeah. an abandoned concrete table was on the other one that's a big like patio table that's concrete but that's all that was there so it was $64 a year which is totally reasonable once yeah, we come back, absolutely I don't know because I assume they're going to do a reassessment of our property right yeah now, when we bought the house, um, so my husband bought the house. It'll be six years ago in June, and when he bought the house, it was in it was in a state of disrepair. There were weeds and shrubs that were grown up to the point he knew the house had a garage, but you couldn't physically see the garage.
2: Wow! <laughs> and so
0: the, the woman that had lived there before had passed away, and after she passed, it was in probate for quite a while. She had ten children. So, while that got all sorted through probate and the kids decided what to do, it just got overgrown, and nobody wanted to take care of it. So he it took him a long time to get to where we can even see the backyard, let alone have you know, this this lush green area now.
2: Well, it's so, a that's pretty amazing what you guys have accomplished in less than a couple of years, really, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's amazing. I mean, you've you went all out and you're not done yet. And uh, I love how you're expanding and. And try to really uh, revitalize the neighborhood, even by taking these vacant lots and, and making them something useful and beautiful. And and um, and I think that the you know that should have, will probably have an impact on a lot of your neighbors who can look into doing the same thing. And. And I can just see this uh, spreading like a fire through there. Everybody wanting to be involved with something like that. And a lot of larger cities, they are doing things like that. I've seen that in Detroit. I've seen that in like St. Louis and Kansas City and some of these cities that some of these areas that's been really run down and a lot of, like you said, a lot of vacant lots and stuff. And people are are doing some pretty amazing things. And it sounds like you're just another uh, example of that for sure.
0: I'm trying really hard to be the change that I want to see in the world. I I see so many of these houses every day as as we travel around. And um, so my husband and I travel for work. We work on airplanes for a living, and as such, we are constantly on the go. And with that in mind, I'm in a different city every day. I'm actually talking to you right now from Danbury, Connecticut. I live in, Dayton, <laughs> and I woke up this morning in Dover, Delaware. So. Aww. Just to give you an example of how much we travel. So when I say I see this in lots of cities, I know that Dayton's not the only city like this. Yeah. And so my my goal is to not only be successful for us, but I want others to see that you can totally do this. And I should, I mean, I think the important thing, too, with, with what we've done, other than the privacy fence that we put around all of it, because we put so much work into it. Mm-hmm. And we do still have vandalism in the neighborhood. I mean, and it's you're gone not a
2: lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And gone all the time. Now we do have, um, we do have a roommate that stays with us and takes care of things while we're out of town. Um, So she takes care of the animals and makes sure the garden is watered and picks things when they need picked and all that when we're gone. But even still, you know, she works a full time job as well. So we want to make sure it's protected. So we did privacy fence it. Now that aside... The garden itself, we have next to nothing in building. Um, I'm part of a Seed Savers um, exchange group that I created in our area. So it's a seed swap. Um, The only rule is you can't charge. So, hey, I've got a bunch of elderberry clippings. Does anybody have some black raspberries or, I mean, some, I'm sorry, blackberries or raspberries, you know? So it's for trading and swapping and we've gotten many things through that. So a lot of what we have we paid nothing for
2: That's a great idea.
0: Yeah, a friend of ours has a tree trimming business. We reached out to him and the mulch is a waste stream for him because it's different trees that he's cutting down. He never know what he's going to get, so he doesn't right. sell his mulch because he doesn't have the space to to distinguish this is pine mulch, this is oak, this is whatever. And so he'll call us when he's got a tree that he knows is okay for us and it's not going to poison my garden. Yeah.
2: And even that, I mean, even the stuff that you wouldn't want to put on your garden is still great for pathways and things like that, often, you know. So, I mean, it's still be used a lot of times in other ways. Oh, sure. For sure. We've got, yeah.
0: I think we're now up to 12 truckloads of mulch we've gotten. Yeah, in-
2: awesome.
0: <laughs> and, you know, again, with our friend, with, with, the horses, you know, we've got most of our manure that way. And and because of that, um, you know, our, our cost on this is low. Everybody tells me when I tell them what we're doing, oh man, but the startup cost in permaculture is mm-hmm. so crazy. It can be if yeah. you shop for everything. Yeah. But it, if you're smart about it and if you reach out to people and network, mm-hmm. I would say bartering and networking is probably the number one most important thing in permaculture yeah. to me.
2: You've definitely uh, shortened the, uh, the, I mean, normally a lot of people could do that if they wanted to take the time to slowly build their, you know, their, their, their homestead up and just, you know, and get something here, something there. You've streamlined it by the Seed Savers Exchange and other things you've been doing. I mean, that is a, that's brilliant really. And, 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 you know, you know, hitting your local resources, with the horse manure and the mulch, you've really streamlined this to make it happen. I mean, I would say to be able to do it as quick as you've done it and make the changes you've made that quick without money, that's, that's <laughs> pretty amazing without a lot of money involved in it because, you know, generally you can do that, but it takes a lot longer than what you guys have taken to do it.
0: Well, and last year for Christmas, my sister-in-law said, hey, you're really hard to buy for. You guys are never home. <laughs> if you need something, you get it or make it. So I need ideas for you. I said, seeds, get me vegetable seeds. And she's like, what kind? And I was like, surprise me.
2: And a <laughs> variety said, pack.
0: <laughs> yeah. so I told her the only stipulations is we only go for organic non-GMO yeah. and we prefer heirloom when possible. But aside from that, I am open to whatever she wants. And I got all kinds of things. I had grown an icicle radish, but I currently have 20 of those in my beds growing right now. (laughs) So that's about it was a way for us to save money Um, that with the mushrooms. That's another thing we did to save money. Um, So I bought a block of mushrooms to grow just in the house.
2: What kind of mushrooms are you growing?
0: They're oyster mushrooms. The The first first ones were the oysters. And. I just wanted to see if we even liked them and to see how hard it really was for us. And I had found a video online. I don't even remember who it was, but it was it was just a video I found on YouTube. And they said to crumble up the leftover, the spent block and layer it in a five gallon bucket with holes drilled all over it with some wet, sterilized straw and that you'll get more mushrooms even from a spent block. So we we got three flowerings out of it. I mean, oh, we wow. Got- yeah and we thought it was a dud at that point okay it's gotten three fruit we're done probably crumbled it up put it in the bucket and sure enough every little hole in that bucket had mushrooms popping out
2: that's awesome
0: (laughs) so we took that one block that i think was 20 dollars and turned it into probably 20 pounds of mushrooms when it was all said and done and now it's getting warm so i've taken that bucket of mushroom and i've scattered it along the outside edge of our our garden beds where the house shades it so we're going to see if we can get them to now grow outside as well and then we got some wine cap spores and we Mm -hmm. are going to put those underneath um where our squash are so we're going to do sisters again this year with the corn the beans and the squash but we're going to add a fourth sister to the mix and put some wine cap spores on the ground underneath all of them hoping that the squash will shade them enough to get them to grow so it's a guild based around corn instead of a tree
2: that's nice. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, like a three sisters method only with mushrooms huh, involved in the mix. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I did the red top, uh, uh, mushrooms there for a while. And then those, I got a one year, I, I got a decent fruiting, but I, we had a real dry year and I wasn't real good about keeping it moist, you know, and it dried out pretty good and it, it never came back after that, but I got a few right off the bat and then and I just let it kind of go. I didn't maintain it. And, you know, so they do it. it you have to put them in a place where you're not going to have to maintain it much. Mine must had a little bit of sunlight hitting it, so it dried out pretty fast without me uh, watering it, you know, keeping it moist. But yeah, they're. I think they're uh, mushrooms are something that costs a lot of money uh, if you're buying them, and if you really enjoy them, and and you can grow them like you did indoors, outdoors. There's a lot of options there, and there's a lot of different kinds of mushrooms that you can try your hand at. So that's a great that's a great uh, thing to do. I think on a homestead.
0: Yep. I've got reishi logs um, on the side of our uh, shed between our compost bin and the shed that we keep all of our gardening supplies in. So I've never done those before, but we're going to try it this year. And I tried something a friend of mine had recommended and it, it pained me to do so, but I chopped up some of my morels that I got last year and we've got those behind our garden shed in a different area. We're going to see if we can get some morels. I know. I know. That'd it was pretty t- amazing. <laughs> I love morels so much but finding them can be frustrating and with us traveling so much it's hard. Yeah. And so we're going to see if we can get some morels to pop up on their own this year.
2: You can buy the you can buy the spores though, can't you? You can. Yeah, um, I mean you're doing it in, in an expensive way of course, but yeah, I just I was thinking you still could buy them. I, I I know at one time I think they're a little more expensive than most mushrooms to buy, but yeah, I think you can get them. Mhm.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you know, other ways we've done this inexpensively is that um our local our local metro parks has every year a tree giveaway so this year we got a pawpaw tree so I'm pretty excited yeah you it's two it's of them amazing. though yeah, I love pawpaws
2: <laughs> you do have to get two though I think they need two to to put off fruit so you have to get another one <laughs> I only well, know this because I had three and uh, my neighbor's dog chewed two of them up <laughs> so I have to get another one now. <laughs>
0: Well, a friend of ours went for us. We were out of town and so she got one. And then I have another friend that is growing pawpaw trees on his property. So I'm getting him. So I'll have two different propagation points. So I also can make sure that, you know, they're two different strains. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, once I started doing this, people in my friends and family network were like, hey, you're into gardening. My friend's got this thing that she's trying to give away. You might want it. And it, every time I turn around, I, literally I've had people show up and just drop terracotta pots on my front porch. Like, Hey, I thought you might want those.
2: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: I dropped off half a bag of potting soil. She's like, I don't need this. I'm not going to do any more potting. So I thought you might use it for one of your garden things.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it's,
0: it's a thing. <laughs>
2: yeah. So you're, I mean, you got a lot going on. So you've got all these raised beds, you're mm-hmm. putting in a a food forest. I mean, you're kind of slowly building that right around and th- the other properties are probably more food forest based, right? Yep. It's just where you're expanding your trees and stuff. Let's talk about your raised beds for a minute. You said you put in what? 16 of them.
0: 16. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. And a hoop- bed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a lot of growing yeah. space. W- what kind of things are you growing? I mean, that's a, that's a lot. I mean, <laughs> you can probably yeah. grow enough for a whole year's worth of food real easy. Let's talk about some of the things that you you've got in there.
0: So last year we were able to grow 250 pounds of sweet potatoes in that space. We grew we stopped counting after a while in the tomatoes, but I put away enough tomatoes that we just ate the last jar of them in February and we gave away a ton of them. Yeah, Uh, That's not even counting just the tomatoes and cucumbers that our roommate ate. So from April to November. she, um, pretty much just ate from our garden. Like I said, we got married in July. We had leftover pulled pork from the wedding that we froze. So she did eat some of the pulled pork and chicken from that. But aside from the leftover pulled pork and chicken in the freezer, she exclusively ate from our garden from April to November. Unaway is in the healthiest shape of her life. It's crazy. Um, (laughs) We have radishes, turnips, red beets, golden beets, um, probably, I think we have nine different varieties of lettuce and greens now. We've got asparagus that we put in in a spot that's going to be a permanent asparagus home. Mm -hmm. And we have strawberries growing around the asparagus. We've got uh, four different kinds of onions. So I have walking onions. I have uh, just some purple onions. And then I have walla wallas. And then we have chives, garlic chives. And more herbs than i can even list without boring death. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> four different kinds of squash plus zucchini if you want to count that as a separate thing um kind <laughs> of everything there's so much stuff that we grew this year parsnips i had never had a parsnip so we decided to grow them so i could see what a parsnip tasted like yeah um,
2: you potatoes.
0: like it i did i did i was <laughs> surprised strange texture
2: I've only grown one root vegetable that I just don't like. And that's rutabaga. I <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't know. I've tried it like five different ways, you know, preparing it different yeah. ways and it just has a taste to it. I just can't, I just don't like, I don't know. what Some people say they love it. It's one of their favorites. And I'm like, I just, I can't get on board. It's the only one that I I've grown so far that I just don't enjoy.
0: Yeah. Well, we also have, um, different kinds of peppers. We've got six different kinds of peppers. We've got okra, we've got eggplant, um, uh, um, what else do we have? Kohlrabi, uh kale, cabbage, all the brassicas really. Broccoli, cauliflower. Um we did not grow rutabaga because I have <laughs> I have them as well. I love turnips, but I just don't I just yeah. don't get into rutabaga.
2: Yeah, I love turnips too. I mean I love all root vegetables. That's why it kinda of surprised me when I grew that. And I hate it though, because they're so big and so they're such a really mm-hmm. good source of food i mean they put off it's a large you know root and it it seems like it's just a lot of food it produces you know but yet only if you can want to eat it (laughs) that's the thing
0: (laughs) well just put in jerusalem artichokes so this will be our first year doing yeah and we'll have those for the rest of our lives probably because once you put them in they Mm -hmm. don't go (laughs) no matter if you want them to go away or not they're staying (laughs) (laughs) um we do sunflowers and then the seeds for the chickens of course. and then we keep some of those back for next year, obviously. Uh, we also, oh gosh, I feel like there's more that I'm missing. Oh,
2: you, I'm sure there's probably all kinds of stuff out there that you're probably even thinking of. That's a lot of growing space. So, I it, mean, that, that's a lot you can grow there. I'm curious about your, we're both in the Midwest. And in the Midwest, when you're growing brassicas, we have this huge problem with growing brassicas in the Midwest. And it's that cabbage moth. Cabbage. <laughs> do you, how do you deal with that? Do you have row cover over them? Or do you?
0: Canyon plant, last year year um initially my my vegetables were just getting destroyed so when i put my second planting of them in i was very frustrated and i did a lot of companion planting and it worked i finally finally got brassicas to grow and not get eaten it okay was tell
2: me about this what'd you frost. companion plant with them
0: <laughs> so i planted a whole bunch of marigolds in with them okay i Basil in between them, which I usually put those things with my tomatoes, but I tried it. Somebody recommended it. It worked. Um, and rosemary, which I never would have thought to put there, but it worked. Awesome. You know? Yeah. And rosemary also um, under my rosebush. Uh, I kept having problems with the Japanese beetles, which I know you've had problems with. Yeah, that.
2: yeah, I have.
0: Rosemary, it is an absolute game changer, and it will absolutely destroy the Japanese beetles. That is
2: awesome. I, you know, what's funny is though, all the years I've been here homesteading, one year I had the Japanese beetles. One year, it was crazy. It's like they migrate or something. They got to me that year. I've never seen one before that or after that. It's the strangest thing. I don't know. I think I just, I think I just caught their their loop. You know, I'm probably do again. (laughs) It's been a while, so.
0: they do go in cycles, that's for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. it was a bad, bad year, though. I mean, it just happened to be the year I did a property tour video of this property, and they were just everywhere, you know. And I, I'll always remember it from that video because just they're just on everything. But, yeah, we got yeah. through it, you know, and then after the next year I didn't see any. It was amazing. Um, yeah, so that's interesting about the is with the companion planning. I row-covered mine last year and had the best year I ever had. But again you have to be careful with that because there comes a point where you got to uncover some stuff and you know the heat And once it gets intense you know you got to kind of uncover and then let things go and the the cabbage just gets so big it's hard to keep it covered at some point so you know but it worked really really well and i had a good i had the best year last year i've ever had with brassicas but yeah i know the previous years it's always been a challenge with those cabbage moths they just uh, it's bad The worms getting everything it's kind of
0: green. I I had never had cabbage moths go for green beans, but they ate my green beans. Really? Until I went to pick some of my beans. The beans still came on, but they ate all the leaves. They did not. I've
2: never seen that.
0: It was the weirdest thing, but they were all over them. And I mean, they were definitely cabbage moths.
2: Yeah, the well, Japanese beetles hit the beans really hard. Beans, rose bushes. I remember my grapevine. I mean, there was several things they hit really hard. They really got like the berries, like the raspberries, blackberries. They went after those leaves really hard. The Japanese beetles were, were a real problem for certain plants and other plants. They didn't bother at all. It was the funniest thing.
0: We had uh, That's another thing we grow is green beans. And we had a ton of them. And they were looking so beautiful. I got really excited. I literally went out there. Two days later, and it looked like somebody had just stripped them. There were green beans hanging from sticks. There was no leaves to be seen. It was crazy.
2: Yeah. Well, I think it's exciting to hear because this, all these raised beds were on your first initial property. This isn't the expansion. This was the initial, I mean, you had 16, whatever, whatever you said. Was it 16? You said, I keep forgetting. (laughs) That's a lot of growing space on one urban lot. It is. And I just want people to connect with that for a moment. Folks who, Again, I always bring this up when I'm talking to anybody or I'm talking about my own a lot, you know, uh, and I'm talking to folks about there's just so many people that just have that someday mentality. I want to be a homesteader and I want to grow my own food and I want to be more self-sufficient. And they're always thinking forward about that day when they can get enough acreage to do this. Mm-hmm. But then they have a, you know, 10th acre backyard or whatever they're not doing anything with. And I always just want to point that out to folks. Look what you can do. I mean, you just rattled off so much food that you're growing. On that Mm -hmm. lot, yeah, it's just amazing what you can grow. And you got a roommate that just ate the whole summer on it. I mean, that's all she ate. That's amazing, you know. And I always want to point that out to folks. Don't wait till someday; you can do it right where you're at. Even if you're in an apartment, there's so much you can do. There's just things you can do. There is, yeah. Folks need to realize that.
0: A lot of people don't realize how much you can do with a small space. Um, You know, I've got a friend who lives in a condo and. They basically have a balcony and that's it. Um, There is no grass that is theirs to plant in. And, you know, he reached out and he was like, you know, hey, I don't know if I can do anything, but would you mind coming and taking a look and seeing if you think I can actually grow stuff? And we ended up using um shoe organizers that you can get at the Dollar Tree. Even. Yeah. I just poked holes in the bottom of the slots that the, the shoes would go in. Yeah. And you them up with soil and hang them on the outsides of the balcony and he can grow now in those all the way around the exterior of the balcony and then on the inside of the balcony we've got little um, boxes that i helped him you know to learn how to make out of pallet wood yeah. and so got planters on the inside and then things hanging from the outside that'll trellis down and he's allowed to do that so he can grow all kinds of stuff on yeah. that little small
2: That's amazing. And then even if you had no balcony at all and you were just growing inside, there's so much you can do on the inside with microgreens and, you know, just windowsill gardens and and hydroponics and even aquaponics, if you want to take it that far. I mean, there's so much you can do. I mean, it's just, I, I think about all the things I'm doing on my property and I could do so much more. I mean, I'm always looking at the next thing because there is a next thing always. I mean, there's just so many options for growing food in every situation. So I just, again, I always want to remind people that and I'm always excited to talk to folks like me who are doing it in that kind of a space. I just think it's exciting and I love the challenge of it. Sure. I'd love to have a bunch of acreage and have cows and pigs and larger livestock. I love that, but I'm still, there's still so many things that I'm not doing on this little piece of property that I can do that still excite me, you know, to to get into one day.
0: Absolutely. And for me, so we have four grandkids. And um, so my, well, now he's the second youngest. He just had a little baby brother. But at the time, our, our youngest grandson came out and was going around the garden. He got such a kick out of helping us pick the tomatoes and the green beans. And he just loved every minute of it. And for me, permaculture, even in the city, especially in the city, it's a way for me to show my grandkids, hey, look, you can do this too. When, you know, when You grow up, this is something you can do. And you know, for my son asked me the other day, he's 12, my youngest. Um, and he asked me, you know, hey, are we gonna grow some green beans again this year? I said, Yeah. And he said, Do you think we can grow more strawberries? I liked that. (laughs) That Thursday he was over and and just shoveling away up the mulch. He loves every minute of it. And so after even after we're long gone, I know that all of these things that we've been planting they're going to be there still. They may not be pretty, but they're going to be there.
2: And I'll tell you what, there there's things about like even an urban homestead. You'll make an impact on a neighborhood, you will on your neighbors, your whole neighborhood, the whole city, and then you'll also make that impact as a legacy to your, you know, family, your children, grandchildren. I mean, it just it's amazing that you one small lot in a city can impact, make the impact that it does. And it's exciting. I, I love it. I mean, that's just, I, it encourages me to get out here. I I just want to start going out there and pick some weeds get some things planted tomorrow. Now you got me all excited about it.
0: <laughs> the thing that makes me happy is my neighbors, as they, they see me doing these, I was planting cabbages in my flower bed the other day. And my neighbor was like, what are you doing? What is that? Like, those are, <laughs> and he was like, why are you planting cabbages in your flowers? And I'm like, well, this is the only shady spot I've got. That still gets enough sun that they'll grow, but enough shade that they won't cook because it gets too hot in Ohio a lot of times. And he was like, So you're putting cabbage in there? And I'm like, yeah, right behind me, Gladiolas. And he was just Whatever. like Whatever.
2: If it works, it works, you know, and it's food. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of flowers too and decorative stuff, but I I I try to go with the the edible option anytime I can, or or at least a beneficial option, you know, herbal remedies or anything it can be used for. I look for some way that's gonna benefit my homestead. Usually beyond just a pollinator plant, I try to find that two or three other things that it's good for, you know, and a lot of times it's food. I I think I was, when I was on your podcast, I was talking about the nasturtiums in the front of my house, you know, all on my rock wall. It's all on my sidewalk, which is just right out in the front, right next to the road, you know, and those are an edible plant, but they're beautiful. You know, they look nice hanging down that rock wall. It looks cool.
0: It's funny. I had never heard of nasturtium until two years ago. I had seen them, but I didn't know they were food. I I just thought they were pretty, (laughs) you know, Yeah. the more we dug down the rabbit hole into this, it was like, wait, you can eat the seeds and the flowers and 100%. the leaves.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm like, what? And then we ate them, and it was like, this is the craziest flavor profile. Now I make a nasturtium pesto. Like,
2: yeah, it has that peppery, it has a peppery uh, taste, a little spice to it. I like it. It's just different. You know, it's good to add to a salad or whatever. I really like it.
0: Bachelor buttons was one that that people are blown away when they see me plant bachelor buttons everywhere because you can eat the flowers on those.
2: That's new to me. See, so I don't know anything about that. Yeah, bachelor buttons. Okay,
0: They're new to our area too, so they're really cool to plant in your flower beds, and then you can eat them. You literally just pop the little flower tops off and throw them in a salad and confuse all kinds of people. When you got pink and purple and blue and they're <laughs> white.
2: I was talking to somebody at work the other day uh, about eating dandelions out of my yard, and they're like, "What?" I mean, and I thought most people knew that they did not know that. Yeah, you know? they were talking about spraying their yard to get rid of the dandelions. I'm like, "Man, go out and make you a salad. What are you doing? Yeah. You have know, to get rid of those? That's good food, man." He's like, "What?"
0: <laughs> so many of us now though are like our whole neighborhood over the last year and a half. It's crazy. The people who had overgrown just dirty looking property before to be honest. I mean I hate to say that. That sounds awful to say, but it's true. It was just overgrown and unkempt. And now they you see them out and they're edging the sidewalk and they're planting things or they'll ask me questions. Hey, can I plant this over here? And it's it's cool to be thought of as a resource. And why I started the podcast is I had so many coming to me with questions. Like it started as I'm going to just tell everybody these things, and I can just refer my friends mm. to that when they ask questions. Yeah. Hey, go! And it's just it's gone so much above and beyond that. We just reached out to the city. We're going to do at the end of our road. There's like a a tree planted in the middle of this flower ring. Well, ours is a dead tree that fell down two years ago, and uh circle full of weeds at this point so i asked if it was okay if i planted stuff and they said as long as i maintained it so i got the dirt i got the mulch i got plenty of seeds so we're gonna plant it with all kinds of things and you know when i was telling the neighbor, he's like well what if somebody tears it up and i was like well it already looks terrible it can't get any worse right another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, FDIC. <laughs> and a member FDSE.
0: Why would you put edible stuff in there? Everybody else is just going to take it. I'm like, if they're hungry, let them eat.
2: Yeah, that's great. Stay- yeah, exactly.
0: Like, you're going to put fruit trees outside of this fence that you did. Why? People are just going to eat your fruit. I'm like, well, if they need the apple more than I need the apple, let them have it. I'm not going yeah. to eat every one of the anyway. And I'd rather it be there for them to eat than to just, you know, drop leaves on the ground.
2: Yeah, I'd rather folks just pick it and eat it than me have to actually go out and chase them down and give it to them. Because that's what I do. End- I do end up giving a lot of food away. I mean, I got a lot of fruit, a lot of apples, a lot of pears, a lot of things like that to grow. I, I mean, I can everything I want for a year, and I still got bushel baskets you know and it's like i'm just look for people to give that stuff to because i i don't set up at the farmer's market or anything i'm not selling it but Uh -uh. you know i love to just give that kind of stuff away i got a lot of friends i try to hook them up and then tell them how to can it you know that's i like that it's exciting to me
0: me too and once we get to a point where i feel comfortable giving our produce away our our long-term goal is i'd like to drop off produce at our local food pantry Mm -hmm. we have homelessness in our area. And there's a lot of need um, for fresh produce. Oftentimes, you know, our pantries will have lots of packaged and processed food, but getting the fresh stuff is a little bit harder for them. And so that's something that we can do. And while I know I could make a farmer's market booth and I could sell it, I'd rather give it away to somebody and encourage them to do the same. Um, I actually got asked this morning, right before I talked to you, right before our call, I got reached out to, I'm going to be teaching a workshop on urban permaculture and its benefits um, in Dayton. Um, she's going to reach out to me later on tonight. We're going to pick out the date and things, but That's a awesome. lot of, oh, a lot of the, these things, just like, you know, <clears throat> you are on food stamps, um, EBT snap benefits yep. and use those to purchase seeds for food yep. and plant starts. And a lot of folks don't know that. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You can. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And even if you don't have the fundage to purchase these side lots, a lot of times, if you reach out to your city or municipality, if you offer to care for and maintain the lot, but not put a permanent structure, they'll let you use that as a growing space. It's it's an yeah. option available because it's the city would rather you put a garden on it and maintain it than them have to pay to to mow the grass on a piece of land that they're not getting tax revenue from.
2: I think there's Happy. even opportunities, you know, for folks, even if they don't want to say, say they have a large enough garden, they got all the food they want. Maybe they even market garden or giving away. There might even be opportunities for people to go to these city officials and say, you know, here's a, you know, quarter acre of of land in the middle of this town that you're not not even maintaining. Why don't you let us put a community garden in there? And, and you know, because a lot of folks who are new to gardening might start out with just one or two beds in a community garden. And then what I've seen is they get a hunger for it. And then they want to expand and have more. And they start turning their properties into gardens and homesteads and beyond those one or two beds they have. And I think that's pretty exciting, too. And I've seen that happen in some towns, and I think that's pretty cool. And I I, I encourage folks to be that person, you know, go and see if that, if you could organize that.
0: Exactly. You know, I, I would love to see more, more garden, more flowers, more food, more things like that in our city and less trash sites Mm -hmm. because if people are driving around looking for a place to dump their trash. And they see that somebody is maintaining that property. The grass is well kept. It's got a garden bed on it. There are flowers growing. It's clearly somebody's, whether it's actually theirs or not, they don't know that when they're driving around. They're less likely to dump their trash there. And so that's one less trash heap in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you really you'll have to look at the the video on the Facebook page to understand how bad this trash thing is. Um, like I said, it's on our our hogs and hens. Well, I'll page.
2: Get, I'll definitely but, get the links up for the, your your pages, your website, your pages, your podcast, all that. I mean, I, yeah, people need to see some of this, the changes you're making for sure.
0: Yeah. Because to see the difference in um in one of the threads I posted a picture, a before and after picture just of our property. And in those pictures you can kind of see some of the neighboring properties and the changes they've made. And it you know, when you do these kind of things, you start a chain reaction yeah. because I'm making soil better on my property which is over time going to you know help with the soil in other areas you know it's it's just you're creating a microclimate you're doing so many good things the carbon drawdown effects there are so many incredible benefits of doing this and if more people do this then it solves a lot of problems in, yeah. in an setting
2: well there's no doubt that there's a lot folks can do just to grow food um, mm-hmm. putting in some raised beds and then we talked a little bit about that on a small piece of property i'd like to hear your thoughts about why you went permaculture is it because you guys travel you're not home a lot and, and you see the benefits of maybe the sustainability of permaculture or does it go deeper than that
0: it's a little it's a little of both so we do travel a lot and so you know asking a roommate to take care of our 40 foot by 40 foot garden there's a lot of plants to water yeah. and all have different needs and so okay these ones you don't need to water today but those ones have to be watered today and and that that's a lot to ask of somebody so to set it up as a permaculture food forest the great thing about permaculture is the permanence and yeah yeah, there's a lot of effort up front getting it started but once you get these things going they just take care of themselves for the most part yeah and you know this deep litter mulch situation it's made it so that we don't have a lot of weed pressure and the weeds that do pop through i'm okay with it's things like dandelions and wild violets and you know (laughs) i don't have a problem with those because i use them and you know the dandelions accumulator they're doing good things for our soil so i don't mind those and it's it's a lot less work and maintenance but also we do have between us we have three children and four grandchildren and knowing that when we you know when we eventually die we're not just leaving them a house and a yard to mow we're leaving in them something that has life benefits and whether they choose to pursue the farm life or not they have it as an option yeah and no effort involved we've done all the hard work we we dug in all of the berries and all of the trees and all of the yeah. gardens and, you know, we want to leave that behind. I want to, my goal in life is to leave this earth better than it was the day I started here, yeah. you know.
2: I hear you. Yeah. I, th-
0: I think we're accomplishing that.
2: And even beyond family, you do that. I mean, you, just for your your neighborhood, for your town, I mean, it does that. It accomplishes that to some degree. I mean, you've, you've took a little piece of, a little corner of your world, of this world, and you've turned it into something more natural, but more beneficial. Uh, You know, and and that's the difference between a forest and a food forest, right? I mean, you could just leave a piece of land alone. It'll turn back to forest. But when you do it as a food forest, you mold it and shape it to where it grows in a way that benefits humans, you know, in in the biggest way possible as far as food. And and I love that. You know, I love that we, because so many people want to, you know, you get these folks that say, well, the best thing you can do is just take people out of the equation. The world will be better off. Well, we're part of nature, too. And when we can take our intellect and we can turn it into something that benefits us, but yet is still beneficial to to the ecosystem, I think that's yeah. a win-win. And that's why I love so much about permaculture, because it does that.
0: It is. And there are so many things that can be so symbiotic, and they just mm-hmm. work so well and once you start seeing some of those connections it's it's a beautiful thing what you can create just putting up our fence um you know our privacy fence on the new property we finished that last week and you know a neighbor down the road i have never talked to this person in fact i don't know that i've ever seen this person but he was getting into his car and he's like hey that's your yard right i said yeah and he's like thank you for the fence and i was like, uh, you're welcome and he's No, now that that fence is there, the junk that's in the lots behind you is going to stop blowing through all of our yards. And I'm tired of picking up shredded pop cans and beer cans and busted beer bottles. And I'm like, you know, you're not wrong, but (laughs) you're welcome, I guess, you know?
2: Yeah. I just (laughs) love that you're revitalizing the area and doing what you're doing. That's really cool. And a lot of folks, I I think just so many people are just such a hurry to run away. And I get it. You know, there's times you want to run away from those kind of places and those kind of situations. And, but God bless the people who say, I'm going to stay and change it. I think that is just amazing, you know, cause that's what we need more of in this world, less running away and more changing. You know,
0: when I, when I originally told my family where I was moving, my family were like, you're going to live in downtown Dayton. You were going to live in a concrete, <laughs> jungle in a rough part of town. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, are you sure you're a country girl? Like, are you sure you want to do <laughs> I feel totally safe in my neighborhood. I don't yeah. know why, but I know that I'm supposed to be here. And sure enough, here we are. And my cousin came down to visit not so long ago. And he's like, how do you have a farm in the middle of this area? <laughs> Lots of park-
2: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Well, I want to hear about, I know here's what you're doing. Let's hear about what maybe the plan is. Where do you hope this goes one day or what's the plans? Or, I mean, uh, I don't think it's just going to stay like it is. I mean, I think you've got bigger plans even. Right.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So we're limited on the kind of livestock we can have. Um yeah. The quick, the rabbits and the chickens are about the max on the livestock we can do.
2: Don't um, forget your worms
0: and the worms. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my son calls them wiggles. So the wiggles. Um, So those guys, but, aside from that, there's not much more we can do. We are currently working to find out if we can officially get the beehives. Um, the goal is to have at least one hive on the property mm-hmm. because that enough enough yard. we think if if we're reading the the regulations correctly, we think we're good to put a hive in, but we've got like a little six foot square area where we are allowed to put it based on the measurements required. Yeah. So that's something that we'd like to add just from the pollination benefits, plus the honey and beeswax and and things like that. Um, We have a pond out front and there's a willow tree that grows above it. The willow tree, unfortunately, does have to go. It is planted in a place that is constantly tearing up our sewer pipe. So it is perpetually putting roots into that. So that
2: the water out for sure.
0: Yeah. So instead where it's at, we're going to expand the pond. And we're going to maybe expand that into some aquaponics because we're already going to have a pond there with fish in it and it's in the ground. But why wouldn't we just put a tank above it to with some pumps and do aquaponics?
2: Yeah, nice.
0: There's access to electricity right there from the pond pump as it is. So we think we think that's an expansion point. We're just not sure that that's where we want to put it yet.
2: Right. Yeah
0: collection. Um, So we've got our barrels purchased for that. We're working on getting those all set up to start adding rain collection. Um, That's exciting for us. We are adding solar. Uh, Over the next five years, we're going to slowly replace um, parts of our roof with solar Um, because our house is a row house. It's tall and there are no tall trees that shade it. It's in a perfect spot for us to have solar. We can't go totally solar because we're in Ohio and we don't get enough sun in the in the winter months but that's a a big thing for us that we want to try to do um the garden shed we're going to be adding lighting out there bob is building a windmill to go on top of it that will generate some turbine power to power the little. it's just an led bulb in there but it'll power the bulb so it'll be a wind-powered little garden shed so i can see what i'm doing in there the winter when i'm digging through my seeds yeah Uh, that's a that's a big thing We have about 20 trees that we're going to be planting in that side lot and we've got a few of them purchased and they're ordered, I should say. And when they start arriving in the next week and a half or so, we're going to start getting those out. But we're going to be adding bananas and everybody thinks I'm crazy when I say this, but I have a dear friend who his aunt lives in Northern Kentucky and they are just about an hour South of us. And she has a, a full banana tree growing in the ground. She doesn't carry it in. It's not just an ornamental banana. It produces fruit every year. Wow. And she offered him starts, but he lives in an apartment so he can't plant a banana tree in the yard. So he was like, I've got a friend that might want one. So she's giving us two. So we're going to try to grow bananas at our farm because if she can do it in Kentucky, just a little south well, of us,
2: you know what? Uh, you got anybody that does a food for us is a little bit crazy, but I also say try some challenging things. You know, have some fun with it. If if it's not, if you're not having some fun, why do it, right?
0: <laughs> I, it, it's crazy, and everybody thinks I'm crazy when I say it. But I figure if she's doing it, then where there's a will, there's a way. And she said the first year or two, he's you know, it was challenging me. She had to watch it, but once it got established, she does nothing to it. It just lives and dies like a, like an apple tree or a pear or anything else. I'm not even
2: so sure my Chicago fig made it back this year, which I'm really kind of broken hearted about that. I got planted it last spring and I got some, uh, I got a few figs off of it. And I was really excited because I was hoping it was established and really come back strong this year, and really produce for me. And it, it's the only tree on my lot that hasn't budded yet. So I'm a little bit concerned that it didn't make it. <laughs> oh.
0: We're going to get some kiwi this year, um, so I'm excited about that. And on our the other side of our lot is where we have kind of our social area. So we have a fire pit, and it's a gravel area that we have left as a graveled-in area that we just kind of sit around the fire pit and hang out. And we call it our beer garden because we have a collection of, like, vintage beer signs on the fence there. But what we're going to be doing is growing in flower pots all around the edge of it hops. So our beer garden is literally going to be a beer garden.
2: Do you guys make you guys make beer?
0: We're gonna be making beer. That's we're awesome, go- yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um we've not done much with uh cover cropping in the winter, but we're gonna we're gonna experiment with that this year mm-hmm. with barley and uh harvest the barley and use that with our hops to make our beer. Nice. So we can literally this is a homegrown beer. Homegrown, grown home-brewed beer. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. There's some big things that we've got coming up. Uh, we currently are, are adding uh, watercress to our pond. We're going to grow that in the pond. Um, so that's exciting this year.
2: Yeah. i uh, yeah. I've got the um, uh, water chestnuts I'm trying to grow in my aquaponics system in the greenhouse. I'm fearing that ain't looking so good because I put them in there... A couple weeks ago and nothing has came up yet. So I'm thinking maybe that might be a failure. I'm not real sure. I was hoping for big things there, but it may not have happened. <laughs> but watercress, yeah, we've done that and that works pretty good. It's hard to stop that. That's pretty good stuff.
0: It is. Ground cherries is something new to us. Neither of us have ever had them before, but we like tomatoes and we like fruit. So if it's got the texture of a tomato, but tastes like a fruit, I'm in. So I yeah. seeds <laughs> this year. And we're going to try to get a patch of ground cherries going in. So that's kind of fun. We've mostly done vegetables. Uh This year, we're really expanding and adding the fruits um yeah. onto our property.
2: That permaculture will really take you in that direction, the fruits and the berries and things like that. I find that when I started building an actual food forest, those were the things I was putting in, you know, mostly. And, and herbs, too. I find a lot of herbs going in the, in the guilds. Yeah. That-
0: We have a ton of herbs now, but we're going to kind of expand the amount. So where I grow seven kinds of basil now, I've got seven different types of basil, but I may only have one plant of each. Not anymore, because we've learned some of them. Cinnamon basil, I've learned is one of my absolute favorite herbs. So this year, I'm going to have a lot more cinnamon basil because I let one of them bolt last year and and go to seed. So we're going to see what happens with those basils.
2: I've never eaten cinnamon basil. Does it have a cinnamon flavor? I'm assuming.
0: It does it's surprisingly really good in fruit salad. Okay. So it, you you taste the basil, and then afterwards there's a, just a little hint of cinnamon. It's a crazy awesome flavor.
2: Okay, you got me sold already. I'm looking for some cinnamon basil now.
0: <laughs> and you've got a skyline knockoff right there.
2: <laughs> nice. I like it.
0: <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. Strangest thing ever. <laughs>
2: Well, you got some big plans. I mean, you got a lot of things you're wanting to put in and grow and a lot of, and I think you got bigger ambitions as far as the impact you're making on the neighborhood and on family. And I think that's grand also. You also have a goal, it looks like with website and podcasting, things like that, to be an educator of homesteading.
0: Very much so. I have found such a joy and passion in this. And I have found when I talk to people about this, they can, they feel my excitement and it gets them excited about it. And if I can inspire others to, to do this and make a positive impact on their lives, because it's, it's been a positive impact on my life for sure. Then I've succeeded in making the world a better place. And that's all I've ever wanted in life is to make the world a better place. And, you know, I can't change the whole world by myself, but I can change somebody's whole world and then they can change somebody's whole world. And eventually that ripple effect makes a bigger change. And so that's my goal. You know, if I can tell anybody and everybody about all the things I'm learning, you know, I want to, I plan on getting my permaculture design certificate. Um, right now I just had such a crazy schedule. There's just no way to, to get that into my schedule, but Mm -hmm. I spend every minute that I have available researching. When we're on these long trips for work, I'm in the passenger seat on my phone, watching YouTube videos, researching, reading on articles, you know, scrolling blogs. And, you know, at, when we get to the hotels, I'm working on articles on my website. And, hey, I learned about this thing today, guys. Or, hey, I tried this experiment with watercress in my pond and it it, it took over, but it's a good thing because then I pick it and we eat it, you know? Mm-hmm and things like that. And it's, it's been amazing.
2: Well, I love that. I mean, I love that you got, you know, grand ideas for making the impact in the world that you're wanting to make and in other folks lives. But I don't want to get away from the fact that probably the biggest impact that I think, and I know this because we've talked already before, one of the biggest impacts you're hoping to make is in your own personal life with your own health journey. You and your husband both have had health issues and, and homesteading is really a journey in that as well, isn't it?
0: It, it very much is um so bob and i are both o- overweight we both we we run on the road all the time so a lot of our diet consists of what can we quickly eat on the road and keep move- moving and i want to i want to break that cycle i want to be yeah. able to re- our own healthy, organic, non-GMO food and, you know, organic meat that we can eat and I can cook and pack with us on the road because I want to be here for a long time. I don't want my grandkids to inherit my farm next year. And if that's going to be the case, I need to be healthier. And it's, it's gotta, it's gotta start with me. And I get that. So the more produce that I can grow, the less I've got to buy and the less, I have to be dependent upon somebody else to tell me, I promise this doesn't have any pesticides on it.
2: Yeah. It'll be so much healthier when you grow it yourself as well. And just the lifestyle is so much healthier. You know, the there, it, there's a there's a physical aspect to getting out there in the garden and working, getting out there in your permaculture garden, doing the thing. There's a mental aspect of it, too, getting out there and just enjoying it, you know. And, 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 and that, I have found, has probably had a be- bigger health impact than I could have ever imagined, the enjoyment of working the garden, working in the food forest, you know. And all of that working together to create a healthier body and healthier mind, you know, and and I I think you're well on your way to doing it. And, uh, yeah, and I, I don't want to it's so easy to look at those those grand gestures that we intend with our properties and think that's what it's all about. But, yeah, it's really I mean, mine started because of my own personal health. And, and I think we don't want to get away from that because that's really where it needs to begin. You know, I mean, I think that's probably the most important impact we can make is the impact it makes on our own personal lives.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, Bob has a pacemaker and defibrillator and my, I, myself, I have a serious heart condition. I I have a problem called postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Um, When I change positions, if I stand up or sit down too fast, I pass out. Um, So I have to be careful with that. And it causes all kinds of other, like other health issues, not related to the heart. But with that, it's important that I eat a healthy diet and I, you know, I need to be able to do that by growing it myself. And I know that, but it also means that because we have some health challenges, we've had to come up with some crazy ways to adapt. I can't handle the heat. So one of the problems that I have with my, my condition is I, I can't handle temperature changes. So if I get too hot, once I get too hot, I am down and out for the count for a day or two. And we garden at night. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. And my neighbors laugh at us because we're all out there with little headlamps on our foreheads at two o'clock in the morning, digging in and burying our veggies. But you yeah. know what? For us, it's much cooler. I have a lot less bug pressure. It's it's just an overall easy experience. Yeah. I have solar lights around the garden that help with that. And
2: hey, it's, it's a perfect. permaculture concept as far as I'm concerned. You know, the, the, the problem is the solution, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. And so it, it works for us. I can't mow the grass at 2 a.m., but I can do the rest.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's great. I mean, I love your overcoming and adapting your know, attitude, you know, and, and and making it work and finding a way, you know, and I think a lot more folks should have that same kind of uh, thought process, you know, where we just, there's too much, there's too much of this excuse making in the world, you know, there's not enough people saying, I'm going to find a way to do this, you know, and and everybody's, I won't say everybody, there's a lot of folks who just, there's, I can't do that because, instead of yep. saying well maybe there's a way i can do this if i just change a few things you know and i think there needs to be a lot more thinking like that in the world
0: absolutely and i'm happy i i am more than happy to to offer solutions or suggestions for people if they think hey i don't think i can do this because give me your objections and let me help you find okay. a solution because I know myself initially, it's like, man, a lot of gardening is working outside in the hot sun. I really love doing this, but I don't know with this with this health stuff if I can do it. So I figured it out. I just work in the dark. Yeah. Us, a lot of times we don't get home until one or two in the morning from our trips. And so it's like, well, we've been in the car cooped up. Let's go work off some energy and go dig in the dirt for a while. That's it is awesome. relaxing. It's a good way to decompress and de-stress after a long day at work. So it's got extra health benefits aside from the nutritional aspect.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I love what you're doing there. Well, I won't tie you up. I know you're on the road. You're out there doing work right now, so we'll (laughs) get off here. But I just want you to know that you're really encouraging. And I think that uh, I think a lot of folks will just uh, be motivated by what you're doing and, uh, and I hope folks will uh, go check out your website and your podcast. I, I think it's fantastic. Check out your Facebook page. You're doing some great things there. Is there anything you want to add before I let you go?
0: No. Um, you can find us online. It's hogsandhensdayton.com. And I'm on every Wednesday. I post a new episode on my podcast, The Urban Permaculture podcast, and I I really hope that you find some inspiration. Um, Harold is also a fantastic resource. You've taught me so much more than you know. You've inspired (laughs) so much, and I've had some great
2: guests on who know a lot. Yeah, I think I appreciate that. Well, you're you're doing this. You're doing the same thing. You're out there encouraging a lot of folks, and you're encouraging me. And and I love what you're doing. And I think you're making a huge impact, and in, in your life and in the lives of those around you. And I just I hope you keep up the good work.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race, I wanna flee. My world, I'll. Reach. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, raising livestock, living free. It's a modern homestead. them from their land like we do here every day, snapping beans like grandma did sitting on her front porch, hunting and fishing like a kid once you've done all of your chores. It's a today.